you know, when you're when you're a parent and you're realizing that your child's wired differently, knowledge is what you need. Knowledge is key because once you figure out how they're wired, then you can talk to other parents that have, you know, kids that are wired differently. You you know what books to read to help understand your children. It just gives you that empowerment to, um, you know, to be the parent advocate, you know, to advocate for your child. Hey, friends, this is the Finding Mikey podcast, our family's quest to prepare our son, Mikey, for life. I'm Mike, and from time to time, I'll be joined by my wife, Heather, or other family members and others for interviews and conversations. Now, while I may mention our son, you have a Mikey of your own, and together, we're on a journey to learn as much as we can so that we can understand how to best communicate and guide our kiddos into independent adulthood. Thanks for tuning in. So... Our story, right? We, uh, I'll, I'll start and I want you to interject. Of course, this is, this is kind of it. Um, you know, we're, we're a family of a bunch right now. You know, I've got Jordan from a previous marriage and he's 18, 19, 19 now. He's yes. 19 now. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. 19 and, uh, he's still back in, in California. We're out here in Austin, Texas, Round Rock actually. And Heather and I, when we got married, uh, Jordan was eight years old and, We've had three kids since then. We've got Grace, who is now eight, um, Joy, who is three, and Mikey, of course, is six as well. And um, yeah, that was it. So it's kind of a little jokey, jokily, I say that, you know, when we were talking about having kids after Grace, I was telling Heather, I'm like, look, lightning only strikes once. Lightning only strikes once. And she kept <laughs> reminding me, she's like, yeah, but when we were dating, you said you wanted to have like a thousand kids or <laughs> you, know, you wanted to have a lot of kids. And, you know, let's be honest, we weren't, you know, we weren't taking protective measures at all. So, you know, we were, we were just going to have kids, you know, on, on our schedule or on a schedule that, that was determined for us here. So, um, you know, Mikey was born and then Joy was born and then we put an end to that pretty quick. We're like, we're done. We're good. We've got a lot of, uh, a lot that's going on here. So once you become outnumbered, you know, yeah, that well, was enough for us. That's right. I think when we had a, when we could. At first, we could provide like a zone defense on Grace, and then it went to like a stretched man defense with Mikey. And of course, his energy levels and his personality and his, you know, his quirks and his differences and things that were yet to be diagnosed were just a, a lot on us. And then we had Joy. We're just like, oh boy, we're done. We're they're they're gonna take over. They're gonna take over for sure. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what's um since you have the chronology a little bit better there, like let's talk about you know, what it was like with, uh, with Grace's pregnancy and then Mikey's pregnancy, if there were any differences that, that you noticed or anything that were, 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 were different there. Well, one of the things that, um, I think about a lot when I think of the development of, um, Mikey and Grace is that, um, with Grace's pregnancy, I didn't really have any complications. Um, well, let me ask then, you, did we, were we supplementing then too, like you needed progesterone for grace or oh, was that yeah, just Mikey? Yeah, but okay. that was more in, in regards to my own like infertility journey. Sure. Um, I had low progesterone. And so when I got pregnant with, with children, um, <laughs> I needed to, um, take progesterone supplements in order to keep my uterine lining thick enough for that whole implantation process. Anyone out there that's been on the infertility journey, I'm sure you can relate, um, or you may have heard of something like that. And for those of you that haven't, don't worry about it. But, uh, yes, honey, I was on progesterone supplements with all three pregnancies. Um, however, during 
Grace's development, um, there were never any alerts as to um, how the pregnancy was progressing. Um, now, when it came time to be pregnant with Mikey, um, when I had my 18-week ultrasound, um, that's when I was diagnosed with single vessel cord. Um, what that means is that there's supposed to be two arteries in a vein um, in the umbilical cord, and one of those arteries prolapsed. And so now there was only one artery in a vein. And <clears throat> the, ch the child that's developing gets all of its nutrition from the umbilical cord. And so if um, one of the arteries is down, then less nourishment is actually going to the fetus. And so um, that can result in developmental delays. It can result in, um, you know, the, the baby not growing to be very big inside the uterus. And so they do a lot of, um, a lot more monitoring of the pregnancy, a lot more ultrasounds. Um, around the, around the time that you're 30 weeks along, they do stress tests twice a week where you have, they do the fetal heart rate monitoring, um, like for about 30 minutes, they just monitor the heart rate to make sure there's no irregularities and just give you more attention just to make sure that you and the baby are, are doing well. And also I had placenta previa during that pregnancy. So it was possible during, uh, the delivery of Mikey that I would have had to have a C-section if the placenta didn't move. So those were the the two the two main concerns during the pregnancy. Okay. <clears throat> of which, thank goodness, he didn't. He was able to be delivered vaginally, and he was able to go full term. They induced me at thirty nine weeks because um, they felt that um, he was better out than in um, due to the um, you know the single vessel cord, and so I was induced um, instead of him coming on his own terms. And Grace came on her own terms. Actually, went into labor with Grace. So did Joy. So, yes. And I went into yeah. labor with Joy as well. Yeah. So, yeah. no, that's good. So we had, I don't remember feeling overly anxious or nervous or concerned. Like all the doctors were telling us everything was, you know, still okay. He's still responding the way he needs to. Everything was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you ever get any gut feelings or anything weird along the way that you never shared? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, when he was born, you know, he was a very healthy infant, very responsive and he had, um, you know, that, um, he got that infant bronchitis called RSV, yeah. um, because I have a two-year-old Joy, you know, two-year-old Grace at home and she had croup and she gave her three-month-old brother, um, RSV. And so, um, that was the day we outlawed mouth kissing in our house, I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But anyway, in order to keep him out of the hospital, I had to put Mikey on breathing treatments. Yeah. And so what I had to do was, um... I had to use a. It was a nebulizer. A nebulizer, yeah. yeah, and give him albuterol and put a mask on his face, whether he was asleep or awake. I had to do this like every, I don't know. I think I had to do it like five times a day in order to make sure that the uh, bronchial secretions were thin enough for him to cough and get it out, and keep his oxygen levels high, and take him to the pediatrician every uh, every couple of days to make sure mm -hmm. his oxygen levels were okay, and if they were below a certain number, then he had to be hospitalized. And, you know, we were able to get through that, but I think because he had that damage to his lungs at such a young age, every time he got a cold after that, the pediatrician would recommend using the nebulizer and the albuterol to keep the, um, the phlegm moving. And he had a lot of respiratory infections the first year of life. Um, because of that, um, we stopped vaccinating him at nine months old because every time I took him for a well check, I didn't feel like he was healthy. Right. So. Yeah. So why give a, a potentially 
unhealthy child more to deal with. I'm right. just glad we don't have to do the nebulizer anymore. I remember him fighting right. it away a good bit. and Yeah, it wasn't easy. Um, I mean, he would, you know, yank the mask <clears throat> off of his face. and Yeah, we had to hold um, it on there a few times. Yeah. I remember. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, uh, wasn't, it wasn't awesome. <laughs> yeah, so maybe around 18 months old is when we stopped using the nebulizer and stopped, were able to stop using all the rounds of antibiotics and things like that. But that's also the time that I started on my, my health journey. Yeah. You got involved learning. with, yeah, you got involved with moms in charge out there in yeah. Southern California. Yeah. Thank you, Dottie Sunshine <laughs> and crew. <laughs> and crew. Yeah. And that's, well, it's an interesting other tangent that came off of that too, because that's where you became aware of Maria and, you know, she's been, you know, been linked to our life for a while too. And we'll, we'll hopefully we'll have Maria on a show, but she's been, um, she's been advising us on, on our health, health and really, um, you know, interestingly enough, the link to what you just said about Mikey and antibiotics was just that it was really focusing on our gut health. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was that was pretty important and still is pretty important for us now and and, and Mikey. Actually, there right. was an article that I just saw on uh, Autism Speaks where they're, they're starting to fund, I think it was two plus million dollars, they're starting to fund some research into the link between your gut health and autism. So mm-hmm. it was uh, it's pretty interesting. So it's good to know that we were at least doing something that's being looked at a little bit more uh, closely now. But, you know, I feel our, our, our risk is, you know, Hey, maybe fixing your gut doesn't fix autism, for example, but it certainly makes you a healthier person. So mm-hmm. what's the, what's the risk? So right. anyway, sorry, I kind of took you off your, uh, off your path there, but we're about 18 months old and, you know, Mikey's normal. He's smiley. He's tickly. He's giggly. He's bouncy. He was, you know, just sweet, curly-headed little kid, a uh, little surfer hairdo. Um, mm-hmm. Remember, we had chickens at our house in Mission Viejo. We weren't really necessarily supposed to, but our neighbors liked the eggs. But I remember just him him hanging out with the chickens and trying to pet the chicks as we raised them up and um, just, just watching him kind of learn, you know, the world a little bit. Yeah. And when a lot of people... Um are doing autism diagnosis. Uh, they look at developmental milestones at infancy and, um, he met all of those milestones. He, he crawled, he cooed, he, he responded to anyone that would look at him. He would just smile at them and flirt with them. He walked at a normal time. He crawled at a normal time. He turned over, he ate, you know, wasn't a picky eater. His speech was fine. Um, he had articulations issue, issues, but you know that also could have been due to um, the fact that he tongue-tied. was born tongue-tied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we chose to not have that um, corrected. We wanted to see if it would grow out on its own, and it did. Um, but you know, he had some some cute words that he would say incorrectly, and it could have been because of that. But right. um, you know, that's sometimes what makes the, the toddler years you know so cute is when they say you know certain words kind of funny. Um, I used to you know, tell my friends that if Mikey were talking to a stranger, they would have absolutely no idea what he was saying. <laughs> but because I was his mom, you know, I knew what he was saying and that eventually worked itself out. So, um, yeah, now strangers yeah. completely understand what he's saying. And exactly. All he does is talks to, well, not all he does is talk to strangers, but he talks to a ton of them now. Right. You know, I remember back to um, a pretty emotional time here for us and it was like a relief emotional thing, right? Mikey didn't nap. Grace napped. Mikey didn't nap very well. Mikey, mm-hmm. this is how we learned Mikey was a climber, <laughs> right? Um, that crib, how long did you think he stayed in that crib? 
Maybe till he was 16 months. Yeah, I mean, Maybe. not long at all. Not Maybe. long at all. Ever yeah. since he could pull himself up, I think he was trying to find his way out of that crib. Um, and that made it hard for nap time. That made it hard for bedtime. And um, it wasn't until we spoke with our pediatrician about this, too, just having a hard time sleeping. Um, she suggested that we try melatonin, just like a half milligram of melatonin. And I remember, guys, I remember walking into Mikey's bedroom and Heather is asleep on the bed and Mikey is still bouncing. I fully expected to walk in at nine o'clock after this has been going on since like seven 30 or eight o'clock and see, you know, if, if he's up bouncing around, she's still awake, just looking perturbed. No, she passed out and he's still bouncing around and, you know, luckily staying in the room, but nonetheless, just not at all asleep. And uh, you want to talk about that first day when we, uh, when we gave him some melatonin at night? Yes. But first I want, I want to back up just a little bit oh, okay, because, cool. um, what I want to set this, set the tone for here is that, um, joy was in the picture now. Oh yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. you were Joy was joy. about six weeks old. <clears throat> so now I had three kids to put to bed and, um, I did yeah, all was. the reading of like healthy sleep habits and good bedtime routines. I would Google good bedtime routines. I was doing everything from, from bath to books, to lotions, to songs, massages, walks, essential car rides, oils, you know, stroller rides. The, the, this, I wasn't doing the car rides at this point anymore. Cause I had three kids. Well, but, that's true. But I remember but, doing, yeah, you we know, did 2 AM car rides with Mikey in the yeah, excursion. I remember yeah, that. for sure. We, especially, you know, yeah, for sure. But, um, when joy was born, Mikey was about, um, three years old. And so, um, a lot happened between 18 months and three years old. Sure. Um, so that's why I said I need to just back up a little bit here. Um, so we were talking to the pediatrician about Mikey's sleep habits because we had already, um, tried all of the means that we knew of to help him fall asleep. Minus like a sleeper hold. I think right. that would have been next. <laughs> right. And, um, we're just really struggling. And she told us, you know, to try one milligram of melatonin. And so we did. And I remembered, you know, Mikey, you know, Mike holding joy, um, who was about eight weeks at the time and grace already, you know, tucked in and doing her thing to fall asleep. And I gave Mikey a milligram of melatonin and thank goodness it was orange flavored and it was sublingual. So all it needed to do was just melt in his mouth at some point. Gave him his bath, read books. I was rocking him on the rocking chair and he didn't even make it through his bedtime routine. Right. He was asleep before I got him to his bed. Yep. And I was like, Mike, is he asleep? <laughs> and Mike was like, yes. And he's, Mike was doing like the silent happy dance in the living room. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness. So like I went and, you know, I laid him in his bed and I nursed my, you know, my daughter joy to sleep. And I, I probably checked on him like four times that night yeah. and just to make sure that he was okay. And, and it was okay. And we probably did like a milligram of melatonin for like four mm -hmm. days and it was working so well. And I've always been like a less is better kind of person. Minimum effective dosage. Yeah. Yep. So I, I like split the melatonin, the one milligram melatonin in half and I gave him half a milligram and we got the same effect as far as falling asleep. But where he was still struggling is with half a milligram of melatonin, he was still night waking. Yeah. So he would wake up at, at midnight and like walk around the house and want a meal or want to talk or cuddle. And um, 
And then, you know, we would go and we wouldn't have too hard of a time getting them back to sleep, but it was, it still disrupts their sleep cycle when they wake up in the middle of the night and start walking around the house. So I went back to the one milligram and with the one milligram, he, um, he stopped night waking. So that was pretty, pretty exciting. So then I, I guess this is why I'm glad you're here is because you remember this stuff better than I do. But I thought we had first tried melatonin in Mission Viejo. No. Because I remember. No, we didn't try it until we were at our um, our rental house yeah, in, here, in um, here in Round Rock. I know. Now that you're mm-hmm. saying that, like I remember that. But that brought up some other stuff here too. Like by then, like, um, you know, we had seen some other behaviors out of Mikey that were, you know, that were difficult. He would bolt. Like he mm-hmm. was well into his bolting phase right then. And, you know, we had some pretty, pretty decent locks up above the, you know, up high on the door so that the kids couldn't run out the door and especially on the front doors. We didn't mind the back door because, you know, he's got the back door and then a gate to the, you know, to the, to the lawn, stammering there to the, to the lawn, <laughs> to the lawn. And, uh, we were just figured we had a little bit more buffer to get him there. But I remember, yeah, I remember his, uh, his bolting phases there too. Cause we're right on the corner. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I remember a couple cars didn't go. I mean, 25 miles an hour is pretty, pretty heavy on a kid if they're hit with a car. Anyway. Yeah. Mikey, no bolting, that's a whole podcast right there. Yeah, but we, yeah, I mean, that's definitely, definitely one of the, uh, one of the concerns that we've always had about him. And it wasn't just bolting out the front door just on impulse, yeah. you know, it was walking in a parking lot with him, walking in, going anywhere with him. Right. You know, I, I needed to always know where he was. Um, I started using the infant carrier so much more than I ever thought I would with the joy as an infant because I needed to have two hands for keeping control of where, you know, where Mikey was and, you know, having him hold my hand and things like that. So, um, he was a big kid in the seat of the grocery cart for a reason because yep. it was just too much to go anywhere without him being in a cart or in a stroller. I did it last night. Same yeah. thing. I lifted him up. I'm like, oh, you're almost too big for this, but mm-hmm. at least you're here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So crazy anyway i'm sorry again i threw you off of the chronology and no, sort of the flow no of you're fine like you said <clears throat> this is just a conversational thing that we're doing here and i'm sure anyone here listening you know can relate so sure well then before we get into like actually seeking treatment here um was there anything else that you wanted to bring up before then because that that brings us kind of up into you know where we live now not the same house but in the same neighborhood mm-hmm. you know and um I know that one of the first few things we did, like what brought us to do, what brought us into occupational therapy? What, what led us there? Well, it's, it's this funny story that's a long, but I'll try to make it short. It better be funny. Right? You can't <laughs> tell the audience it's going to be funny. And our friends I out funny, there, you said, I said long, okay. but I'll try to make it short All is right. what I said. Okay. So we went, uh, our son, Jordan, that, um, Hey Jordan, if you're listening, um, <laughs> that lives in California, came out here to Texas to live with us for a while. And one of the conditions of that is that we said, you know, we're going to get you into counseling because, you know, counseling is good for everyone during different stages of their lives. And he was a teenager. Um, and, um, we were having some communication problems between, um, you know, his, him and his dad. And so they decided to get some counseling here in Texas to help, you know, help, you know, work around any rough edges that they were dealing with. So, um, we asked Jordan to watch, Mikey and Grace in the lobby of the child psychologist's office so that we could do an intake appointment with the psychologist. And Mikey was acting up in the, in the lobby and not 
listening to Jordan. So Jordan, you know, knocked on the door and the child psychologist was, you know, interrupted our meeting. And so, you know, he just said, you know, Hey, Mikey's just not listening. Can he just, you know, come into this child psychologist's office with you? And I'm really sorry, but he's just being really difficult. And we know Mikey. So we're like, yeah, Jordan, it's okay. And then we explained to the child psychologist, is this okay? And since she's a child psychologist, she had a bunch of toys in there. And so, you know, it at least gave something, you know, for Mikey to do. And Joy was asleep in the car seat because she was, you know, five weeks old. So, um, so Mikey was just bouncing around, playing with all of her toys, touching whatever he wanted to touch. And I turned to her and I said, as a joke, I said, you know, that's great that we're here to help Jordan, but if you can ever help me with him, I'd really appreciate it. (laughs) And she's like, I can. And I'm like, no, I'm just joking. He's three years old. I mean, you don't bring a three-year-old child to child counseling. I mean, come on. And then she's like, well, actually, you know, I, I, you do. And she's like, I, what are your concerns? And I was like, no, I'm like, seriously, he's like, just joking. I'm like, we probably need parenting help, but you know, like basically, you know, he's just, he doesn't listen to me. He's very high energy. He's very just like, just doesn't listen. Like I try to tell him not to do something and you know, he just lives life on his own terms and it's like, he's tuning me out and he's, you know, very, very active. And, you know, I'm like, people are just saying, Oh, he's just cause he's a boy or, you know, maybe That's what a lot of our friends would yeah. say, like, oh, oh, just, oh, he's, he's a, boy. a boy. And you know, yeah. like it's just, he had hard time in like public situations. We, you know, it was just, I was stressed out. Let's just put it. I mean, I had a six week old baby and a really active boy. Right. And so I was just like, I didn't have any, anything to put it on other than it could just be terrible threes or terrible twos. And so I was just trying to get through it and do my best to like teach him discipline and stuff. And then she's like, well, let me just have a couple sessions with him. Then, you know, like I'll give you some feedback. So I was like, and she's like, and I'll also, also help you and Mike with some parent training. Right. I was like, okay, I remember sure, she, sure. she, okay, okay, great. Let's just, let's do it. So she took on both of our sons. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I remember, <laughs> I remember her eyes lighting up a little bit though with like, oh, this is interesting. Right. Uh-huh. With, with Mikey. And, and she seemed very, um, uh, very, I don't know, excited, not, maybe not excited, but she just seemed very, um, happy to share with us the things that she was discovering about Mikey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where with it, with Jordan, it was a little bit more, you know, kind of calm and subdued and here's what we need to do. And here's this and that. But with Mikey, she was just more like, yep, I'm totally seeing it. He does this, doesn't he? He does this, doesn't he? Yep. You know, so she was really, uh, it seemed like she was super interested in trying to help Mikey uh, with that. And that led us into OT. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, um, she was, she said that, you know, he, he, she's not able to diagnose because I guess there's certain levels of like like degrees or something you need to have within the like psychology realm of, you know, diagnosing children that's different neurological um, challenges. But she said that she would recommend Mikey to see a pediatric neurologist and to start OT. And she gave us a, a book to read about sensory processing disorder. And that's where we started with Mikey. We, um, we realized that, you know, he did have sensory processing disorder. We just didn't have a, a name to put to it. We didn't know that there was no, something called was. sensory no, processing disorder. We just knew disorder. that you couldn't, you couldn't hug him hard enough. Like mm-hmm. you could squeeze the breath out of him and he'd want more. Like you could, mm-hmm. that, that just certain things like that, 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 and he's super ticklish, right? And he also doesn't respond well when you'd like go to grab his wrist, like to tell him no, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we noticed those things, but you're right. We didn't have a, we couldn't name it. Right. Right. You know, we didn't, I didn't, I, I've heard of ADHD and stuff before, but you don't really like put that kind of a, a lay 
diagnosis, you know, like on a three-year-old, at least I didn't, I'm like, yeah, he could have ADHD. I mean, I have ADD. Um, Jordan has ADD. Um, but it's just, you know, it's not, I mean, if he has ADHD, big, big, you know, big deal. Big deal. You just gotta, you know, learn how to discipline them the way that, you know, the way they need to be disciplined. So you can teach them the right, the right behavior and, um, things like that. (laughs) You okay? So anyway, um, I'm more familiar with, with ADHD than I, I am anything else. And, um, but again, we're, he's a three-year-old boy, you know? So at the, yeah, si- but- at the time I was, there was a lot of me that was thinking that, you know, he's, you know, he's very active and, and he's grow got, out of this and- you know, like, yeah, he's, yep. he's very difficult to discipline. And, you know, when you're doing mm-hmm. Google searches, I even came across ODD, uh, a, Defiant, ODB? ODD, like old dirty bastard from Wu Tang Clan. Oh my goodness, honey! <laughs> no, like def- defiant disorder, something like oppositional that. defiance yes, disorder. That. Yeah, see, see these these words, and I'm and- just like, oh, he definitely has that. But then again, he's three. You know right. what I mean? So I'm not going to take these kind of things like seriously. Well, you said something that 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 really sparked. There were a couple things that were sort of aha moments in us, and one was I remember back in Ladera Ranch in Mission Viejo, he would he would go. You guys would do this music thing. And he was the only kid that would get up out of your lap and go and dance. He would dance around the room and he would go be with the person who was leading the music. And, you know, he, he wouldn't really sort of sit still. And I remember you telling me that and it was like, oh, that's so cute. And he's so outgoing. And then there was another time where you're like, you know what? At swim, swim lessons here. You're like, I'm looking around the room when we're all changing and getting our kids ready to leave. And he's, he is the, he's the odd man out. He's not sitting still. He's not paying paying attention to directions. He needs constant redirection. And it was just sort of like, I think that was where you're like, I'm, uh, I'm convinced that he's different. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. And then reading <clears throat> a reading about, you know, SPD sensory processing disorder. I mean, I didn't know what proprioceptive was or all these other big words that were going <laughs> into this vestibular. I'm like, but the symptoms, sense. but the symptoms made sense. To me, you know, yeah, he, li- he likes to swing. He likes to be upside down. He's, you know, um, just all these, all these different things that started to make it a little bit more real and a little bit like, huh, mm-hmm. this is, uh, this is interesting. Hopefully that, and it was giving us, it was starting to give us hope. Right. Right. At least, you know, when you're, when you're a parent and you're realizing that your child's wired differently, knowledge is what you need. Knowledge is key because once you figure out how they're wired, then you can talk to other parents that have, you know, kids that are wired differently. You, you know what books to read to help understand your children. Um, it just gives you that empowerment to, um, you know, to be the parent advocate, you know, to advocate for your child and to under, just to understand them. I mean, not everyone's going to be parented the way that you were parented. And that's where we naturally start parenting is, how our parents did it. And when your child's not responding to that time and time again, you feel self-defeated. And, um, when you learn that your child just wired differently, then you start feeling better about, about things. Yeah, sort of, but let's be real. You know, this past few days specifically have been draining. No, no, it it is draining. It is draining. I'm not saying that it's not draining. What I'm saying is that when you find out, that your child has a diagnosis, then you can learn about that, that diagnosis so that you can learn other ways of, of trying to get the best behavior you can out of your child so that, you know, you can 
teach them how to be a good citizen and not be a, a danger to themselves True. because he doesn't have a good sense of danger. And I can't, I I'm around him a lot right now because he's six years old, yeah. but I'm not always going to be around as he gets older. And so he has to learn that filter. Um, and if I'm not <laughs> able to teach it to him, you know, he's, you know, he's more likely to get hurt. Right. So uh, let's t- let's talk about the year of OT that we had with him uh, while we had with him. Oops, what did you uh, was falling off the uh, the table for those of you that aren't watching us <laughs> creepily in our living room? But um, I almost fell off the table with my elbow. Anyway, um, you know, I I remember he enjoyed going to OT. There were fun things and there were difficult things that were there for him as well. Um, what what was your what are your thoughts about, you know, OT? Cause I, I personally, I don't know. I, when I think back right now, I don't know what, um, I could take away from it other than he needed an, you know, he needed a sensory diet added to his life. Right. He needed mm-hmm. certain things like that's why we have a trampoline now. That's why we've got a swing set and play structure and, you know, things he can climb on things he can jump off of. That was another thing he loved to do. He loved jumping off things from high up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, talk about scary um but he also would climb over things that were pretty high but anyway back to my my question so what were were your thoughts of ot in in ot that's when we um we learned that mikey had um fine motor delays um he had a hard time with the grasping the pencil um he had a hard time focusing to write you know circles happy faces um, you know, any kind of like shapes that or lines that you start writing to, de- you know, to develop your, um, ability to, you know, to write letters, um, going back to just the chrono, you know, chronology here of his age, he started OT just, just after he turned three years old. So there's not a whole bunch of expectation on a three-year-old for writing. However, um, but he resisted it. He resisted Big it. Big time. He's and like, when we were I at, when we were at restaurants, <laughs> yeah. like he would break and peel and throw crayons across the room. Like we couldn't get him to like color or play tic-tac-toe with us or yeah, he sees draw them happy all. faces. He, he sees saw... them all as like evil and need to be destroyed. Like even the ones that aren't in front of him, like they all got broken. They all got unwrapped and they all got scattered. Right. So we just thought he wasn't interested in coloring. What we didn't know is he that he had an unholy relationship <laughs> with fine motor skill development. That's what he right. had. <laughs> and so he just really, really resisted that activity and he was very, very defiant about it. And so one of his goals in OT was five minutes of like writing or coloring. And that was a goal that took a while. Like it didn't, it took a while for them to increase it to seven minutes. Mm-hmm. And he still required a lot of like hand over hand assistance and he required um, encouragement through that whole five minutes. Um, and he, that was one of his, like his big struggles. The other thing is that um, he had um, a weak core. And so when he would sit up during circle time or sit up to write, he would slouch a lot. Um, so they worked on developing his core muscles. And so he did all kinds of activities in the gym and on a scooter board. And one of the things that they introduced us to was what's called the weighted blanket. And that really helped him um, focus better when he would sit crisscross applesauce. It would give him something to, like the 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 weight just it did something to help him calm down so that he could sit longer. 
Because what would happen is he would sit cross, crisscross applesauce and then he would want to lay down or he would want to sit to the side or to the other side or just slouch forward or just not want to sit at all because it just wasn't comfortable comfortable for him to sit for long periods of time. So they did um, different activities to help him with core development. And then finally, you know, they did um, social skills with him. They would, um, he would either, he would play games either with the therapist or with other kids at, at or around his, his level um, in the, um, occupational therapy office that, um, you know, playing a board game, mm-hmm. learning how to take turns, learning how to lose, learning how to win and not have a huge temper tantrum, you know, when you, um, when you lose, which, you know, for him, that's one of his triggers oh, is not is. being first and yep. losing. He, you know, has like complete meltdowns. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. Time. Yep. You're right. So, <clears throat> so we did OT Let's, let's flash forward to, you know, when we got his official diagnosis and let's talk about that, that week, because there was a lot, well, those two weeks, because that, you know, we're kind of leaving a gap here. You know, we've been, we've been, you know, parentally trying to do things, you know, we've, we've been very consistent with, you know, certain mantras to keep Mikey from bolting. It was always Michael, if you don't stop running and come back right now, by the count of three, you'll get a timeout. Do you understand that just mantra needed to be repeated to him? if he were to bolt and um, it's been a good mantra to kind of use with the other kids as well, though they respond way, way, way better than Mikey does. It's still required with Mikey from, you know, pretty much all the time. Um, so we were implementing that we were implementing using, you know, terms like when, then, you know, when you're done with that, then you can do this. We would, you know, do a lot of sympathetic, you know, conversations with him where he's melting down and we're like, Oh buddy, I understand this. It's tough not being first place, you know, but it's okay. No big deal. Are you hurt? Are you all right? You know, just to kind of console and talk and put ourselves, try to put ourselves in his shoes and let him know that we, we feel for him. Right. Um, and also, you know, staying with, uh, you know, timeouts or time ins, however you want to put it. We don't isolate him. We don't isolate any of our children other than, you know, they're, they're way more than arm's distance away, but not out of the room. <laughs> so they get to sit down and they've got a timer there too. But so, you know, we did, we did work on and continue to work on things and skills that we need as parents to just kind of keep a little bit of order around here. But, you know, let's fast forward to just this year. Cause there were two weeks there that really jammed a lot in there. There was his diagnosis. There was him trying to start kindergarten. And then shortly thereafter, it's kind of where we are right now, which is, uh, kind of a modified homeschool looking toward ABA and OT kind of a thing. You want to catch us up on, on that one, get us, get us into that bit of the story. I know wow. it could be another, emotional. Another long story, making a long story short. So from the time he graduated OT, um, you know, he was in a, a mom's day out program at, at preschool two days a week and he was starting to do better, um, at, at the preschool with some of the goals that, that we had for him. He was able to, um, you know, be less disruptive in mm-hmm. class. Um, they put in some behavior, um, like pro- proactive behavior modifications, like a behavior chart, mm-hmm. um, to help him, um, you know, do the expected behavior for different areas of the day, you know, like during math centers or during lunch or during snack. And, um, he went to the same, um, preschool two days a week, um, for two years. And so I think the second year that he went, he did phenomenally better because he's very into routine. He's very into structure. He, um, memorizes the routine, memorizes the rules. So, you know, some of the struggles that he would have, um, 
would be when there was a disruption to the routine. Like if the fireman, the fire truck was coming that day, or if a dentist was going to come do a presentation, or if it was a rainy day and we were going to, we weren't going to go to the playground. Um, those days the teachers knew were going to be more difficult for him. Um, he did really well with, um, transitions when it was visual to him, what the next transition was going to be. Um, but one of the areas that he was continuing to struggle was with his social skills. And so every once in a while, the, um, the teacher would, you know, say to me, oh, you know, he doesn't really play with other kids. Um, if a group of boys are playing Legos he or train tracks, he doesn't go join the other boys and play. And I was thinking to myself, well, why would he want to play Legos with other kids? I mean, like, it's because when Mikey's playing Legos at home, it's kind of like you're making your own creation. You're like building or when he's playing trains, he sits down and he builds this elaborate train track all by himself and he probably thinks that if he's going to go and play with other kids doing this stuff that they're not going to build the creation that he wants to play. So it's like, who cares? You know, I'm just going to play something by myself. So I was just kind of shrugging it off. Um, but during times that he would play with the neighborhood kids at home, I would no- notice, you know, some awkward social skills. And as kids get older, there's certain social skills that are acquired by, you know, but just by learning from, from your peers. And he wasn't learning those social skills. Um, just to give you one example, he'll have, um, like two friends over and they're, they're all three jumping on the trampoline together. And Mikey decides to come inside and build a marble tower. And he leaves his two friends on the trampoline. Very abruptly. Very abruptly. Bounce, bounce, bounce. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's inside isolating himself. And I went over to him and I was like, Hey buddy, you know, why are you over here building a marble tower? And your friends are outside in the trampoline. He's like, I don't want to be out there anymore. Like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, your friends are still here. You know, why don't you go out and play with them for another, you know, 10 or 15 minutes? Cause I don't know how long they're going to be here and just total like tunnel vision. Nope. I'm over it. Yeah. And not that that's a, a big deal, but when things like that keep happening, you kind of just start putting little like check marks in your brain you're right. like, Oh, okay. So, um, Mike and I went on a family vacation, um, over the summer, right before Mikey started kindergarten. Oh boy. And, um, a lot of things were happening that, um, were odd and they weren't new behaviors, but I think just having us all together for like six weeks on this family vacation and, um, we were just kind of keep going, why is he, you know, like these behaviors are just, you know, maybe when we get back home, we need to kind of, you know, go back to the neurologist because mm-hmm. the brain is one of those awesome you know, is it an organ organs that just keep, you know, developing muscle, muscle organ. Morgan. So it's like, it's always improving, always changing. So things that he might be struggling with right now, he didn't struggle with two years ago. And, you know, and so like there was one particular incident, um, just that was pretty major that happened when we were on vacation where the a fire alarm tripped off and, uh, at the hotel And it was very, very loud and very visual because there was these, you know, flashing strobe lights everywhere. We had to evacuate. So we were, you know, going from the seventh floor into the stairwell. Super loud in there too. And it was loud and the, you know, the intercom was going off, please evacuate the hotel. And when you're in the stairwell, it's even louder because it echoes. And we had four kids in the hotel room with us. And then Mike and I, because we had, um, you know, we had our nephew with us and, um, Mikey, the look on Mikey's face, like the sheer terror and the sheer, you know, like just fear on his face was just out of this world. And the other three kids were able to walk themselves down the stairs. Now I carried Joy because she's three. And, I, you know, Mike carried Mikey. 
but Mikey was just freaking out really, really bad. And, um, Cooper is trying to add to the story. Yeah. And so, um, for the rest of the vacation, like at least for the the next week. Well, specifically that night he had a tough time going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Even even with some melatonin, even with a lot of consoling, and mm-hmm. just had a tough time. He woke up in the middle of the night, complaining, scared that he was in a fire. Um, but that that definitely, you know, the next day at breakfast, he was telling everybody, "Hey, the fire alarms went off, and this and that, and da da da." I mean, he had his whole routine, and he was starting to just repeat the same story over and over and over to as many people as he could, and. Um, yeah, that was really traumatic for him. That did last solid for about a week, and then he kind of slowly tapered away from it. But now he notices every fire alarm, every fire extinguisher, everywhere we go. It was yeah, really it doesn't traumatic. matter what building we walk into. If he hasn't been in there before, or even if he has, he points out the sprinklers, the the smoke alarms, the fire extinguisher. Have you noticed, though, he's actually going over toward the actual fire alarm now, and, and he's putting his hand on it? Yeah, like he like wants he's to pull, pull it, it or something. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, that one's... Just- Doing that for attention, I think, because he knows we're going to say, don't touch that, Mikey. Yeah, well, true. I'm just afraid he's going to touch it. And then I got to explain to the, yeah. The fire department, why your son pulled the fire alarm. And deal with all the water damage. (laughs) Well, yeah, I don't know what would happen if he pulled that thing. But yeah, it's definitely not something he's supposed to touch. So, you know, there was that that happened. And then, you know, I was taking all the kids um, with me to museums and aquariums and amusement parks, you know, while we were on this vacation. And... Anytime we went into like, I wouldn't say anytime, but there were certain like places that we went into that Mikey would just cry for the first half hour that we were there. Yeah, the aquarium, the kids museums. Yeah. And it wasn't like this cry, like tears. He was just walking around, checking everything out and just. Uh, yeah. Whining and this like whining, sounds crying. like a cry, but it's more you know, whine. And like I couldn't snap him out of it. No, like consoling talking was like snapping him out of it. And like we were watching a dolphin show at the, you know, Atlanta Aquarium. And at the end of the dolphin show, I was like, Mikey, what, what's going on? He's like, only thing I can get out of him at the end of that was I want to be a dolphin trainer. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever. At least he's not crying anymore. So we went to the, we went and talked to the dolphin trainers about how he could become a dolphin trainer. And mind you, I still had four kids with me and I was at the aquarium. So, you know, it was like a lot. Uh, you know, a lot on me and a lot on Mikey and the other kids were like, come on, Mikey, let's go, you know, let's go see some other stuff. And we all had to take turns on what exhibit we were going to see next and, and things like that. So making a long story short, I've got two girlfriends that I'm really close with that have kids that are on the autism spectrum. And as they would tell me from time to time, why don't you just have them checked out? Why don't you just, you know, see if, you know, he might be on the spectrum. And at that time, I, the only thing I knew about autism were kids that rocked back and forth, that hand flapped and that banged books against their heads that didn't talk. That's honestly nonverbal. nonverbal. You know, that's all I knew about autism at the time. I didn't know that there was a segment of kids that were high functioning, but I went ahead and I, I took one, I took Mikey to see a developmental um, pediatrician And we had to fill out like two questionnaires and then like a whole, you know, a whole bunch of intake forms before we met with this gentleman and this, you know, this doctor. And 
we weren't even 30 minutes into the appointment and he was like, oh, you guys are so at the right place. Yes. You know, they used to call it Asperger's. Mm -hmm. He has, you know, like high functioning autism. And I was like, I didn't cry. I didn't. I was like in shock. Right. Because I was, I was like, okay, now I have something new that I can run with, that I can learn about, that I can see, you know, like how can I educate myself to be the best parent that I can be for Mikey. But at the end of that appointment, Mikey and I went home, changed, you know, like had a quick snack and then went to meet the meet the teacher night to meet his kindergarten teacher. And when we met his kindergarten teacher, it just wasn't a good experience. His behavior was really off the charts. Um, and it was just very overwhelming for both of us. And it just happened to be on the same day that, that he was diagnosed with high functioning autism. So it was, oh my gosh, that was a tough yeah, day. That was a tough day. <laughs> tough day. Maybe, maybe we'll save the the rest of like how we, how we took, uh, basically from day one of kindergarten to where we are right now and trying to get him educated, try to get him, you know, the social skills that he needs and things like this. I know we're, we're, we're at about 40 minutes or so right now. And that's a, that's a good long, you know, good long episode, but um, it does bring you up to kind of up to snuff, uh, at least to getting you to where we are right now. Quick uh, teaser, if you will. Um, you know, kindergarten didn't work out the way we were hoping to right off the bat. And we're in the process of simultaneously homeschooling Mikey, as well as, um, you know, getting him into a um, how would you describe it? Basically a school that focuses, you know, ABA therapists that are there, one-on-one attention, occupational therapy. Basically the the goal is to get him the help that he needs now so that we can reintegrate next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're trying to be pretty intense with the treatment that we, we have now um, to do that, but we're not, we're not quite there yet. So you'll be able to join us on the, on the journey as we, you know, progress through there as well and continue to just try to figure him out, continue to try to find Mikey mm-hmm. through all this. Right. So, right. so I think it's a good spot to end. Yeah. Um, do you have anything you want to say at all at the end of this? No. I mean, just as a mom, of course, I feel like there's all these details that I left out, but we're just trying to keep this short, you know, every day that you, <laughs> that you're parenting a child that's, that's high energy, that's wired differently. You know, it's, it's full of, full of challenges. Um, but you know, he is such a, one of the things that, that Mike and I always try to do is, um, talk about his strengths and, you know, maybe we didn't, I don't even know if we talked about those no, on we'll this get call. To those. We have no, plenty. but like I, I, if you said, Hey, do you have any last words? And yeah, and yeah we did lot, talk a lot about our journey with Mikey and, and like emotions and stress, but you know, I just want to end on the fact that, you know, he is a light. <laughs> he, he's just, he's such an awesome kid. Um, He's very compassionate. He's a great big, he's a great brother. He's a great son. Um, and we always have this joke because he, it's one thing, it's kind of not safe that he's never met a stranger, but the fact that he brightens people's day that needed to have a, their day brightened. You know, Mike and I always joke around that he's either hmm. going to be a pastor or a salesman. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be. <laughs> or, a, or, a, or, a, or a mayor. A mayor. Or, yeah, he's running you know. for office. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then again, because he's so, you know, intellectual with, uh, he could also be an engineer, you know, I, sure I don't know, because he's just, he's very good at, at building things and making things connect and, and just, you know, doing a puzzle without even the picture next to it to like guide him. He just puts it all together. Yeah. And for, I mean, we're dealing with folks that we're talking to, you know, right now that you guys have 
children as well or family members that are that are on the spectrum so you know there's you know there's stress there's tough times there's exhausting days weeks and months but you know this child this person is 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 amazing in spite of you know the disability of having you know a learning disability or a social skills disability you know that's along this autism spectrum so i think you guys i think you know and and we just want to let you know we're right there we're right there with y'all too and um we just wanted to give you the backstory on you know on us a little bit uh, on mikey for sure and yeah we'll just keep this thing going so i want to thank you for uh paying attention to this episode and i look forward to uh talking to you guys here real soon take care <laughs>